Today's episode of the Trailblazers.fm podcast is sponsored by the Campaign for Black Male Achievement, a national membership network in support of a movement to let the world know that our black men and boys matter. They're an asset to our communities and our country. And as a nation, we cannot truly prosper when any group of people are excluded and forced to exist on the fringes of society. The well-being of black men and boys has direct influence on the strength of our families, our communities, and our nation as a whole. My ask, Blazer Nation, is that you'd consider joining and investing in the Campaign for Black Male Achievement as we head into the holiday season. Your contribution is going to help CBME to amplify and catalyze black male achievement around the country. To do so, I ask that you'd visit blackmaleachievement.org and select either of the options to join and or donate to this movement today. You're listening to the Trailblazers podcast, where we will explore the stories of successful Black professionals. Join us as we highlight the knowledge, resources, and tools of these accomplished trailblazers to help provide the know-how, confidence, and motivation you need to blaze your trail. And now, here's your host, Stephen Hart. Blazing Nation, what's good? Steve Nehart here, and I just wanted to welcome you guys to another amazing episode of the Trailblazers.fm podcast. Our guest for today is Corey Hale. Corey is CEO of a company called Culture Banks that's redefining business news for minorities. And so before Culture Banks, Corey spent time with other amazing financial companies like Cheddar, CNBC, and Bloomberg TV. And she knows that business and financial news is what determines winners and losers in the markets. It's imperative that Black professionals take control of the narrative in this industry. And so Culture Banks is providing the vehicle through which Black professionals can do just that. So Blaze Nation, before we get set to jump in and listen to today's episode, I ask that you share this episode up with your community, with your people, and just let them know about this podcast. You know, share a tweet maybe an Instagram story or post or Facebook post, tag someone that you think needs to know about tbpod.com and the amazing guests that we have featured on the show. And be sure to tag us up too, right? So I can reciprocate and share the love and say thank you. So I appreciate you guys for listening and sharing. And that said, let's get set to jump into today's episode. Grab your pad and a pen or open your favorite note-taking app. And let's begin to consume some goodness and mission fuel from today's featured trailblazer, Corey Hale. Enjoy. Corey, welcome and thank you so much for joining me on this conversation tonight. Well, thank you so much for having me, Stephen. I'm excited. Corey, I haven't done an interview in probably two months, and I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm coming out of a summer break here, but, you know, all our conversations start off at the exact same place. And so I'd love to invite you to share with our Blazing Nation what's an unexpected blessing that you're most grateful for in your life right now. Gosh, an unexpected blessing. I think just being at the place where I'm able to create the life that I want for myself. And I say that in, in a very humble way in terms of the fact that there was no one out there, no companies doing what we are able to do at Culture Banks. And that for some reason, God thought that I would be the right person to sort of create this business news content. To me, I'm very grateful that this has been placed in my lap for me to sort of carry this torch. Wow. That's awesome. 
That is great. We're going to talk about culture banks here in a second, but I'd love to talk a little bit about your background. I know you shared just a second ago that you grew up in Houston, Texas. Yes. The great state of Texas. I wanted to say it like that. (laughs) The great state of Texas with a Jamaican accent. (laughs) (laughs) What comes to mind when you think about growing up in Houston? Oh, great food. Extreme heat. (laughs) And just a lot of love. Mm. A lot of love. My family, so my immediate family, we were in Houston. That's where my parents were. But my mom is actually from upstate New York. And Buffalo, my dad was from Pensacola, Florida, which is in the panhandle of the state. Mm -hmm. And so we didn't really grow up with a lot of immediate family members because we were the only people down in Texas. And so creating those bonds of extended family are so important to me. And I've lived all over this country and I live in London. And so this that sort of upbringing of trying to just root yourself somewhere that isn't really home, probably something you can relate to a little bit as well, being from Jamaica. It's yeah. something that I carry with me, and I'm so grateful that I had that sort of experience growing up. What if those experiences are what make it easy for us as entrepreneurs to never meet a stranger and be able to just relate to people wherever we are? Yeah, I definitely think so. When I was an associate at Goldman Sachs back in the day, one of my managers, I was on the special project at the time, and one of my managers said to me, Cora, you know, you're really good at adapting. She's Mm -hmm. like, that's going to serve you very well in the long run. And I'm like, "Um, okay, I don't really know what that's. (laughs) (laughs) You just mean you. Yeah. Right. Like, I didn't do anything different. I didn't do anything special. She's just like, no, like you just are able to switch gears really quickly and move on. And that's going to be a really good trait for you down the line. And I think, you know, because that was several, several years ago. And now here I am in a completely different industry. And now, just now, I'm starting to understand like what she meant by that. Right. Love it. So, Corey, you chose to attend undergrad at what some would say is the best HU and some would say is the other HU. I think (laughs) you The best HU. <laughs> Tell us which HU that is. Well, that would be the only HU that most people should know about, which is the prestigious Hampton University <laughs> in Hampton, Virginia. <laughs> Let me stop messing around before I'm a Howard Peeps boy. I have love for Howard, and I know you know you're based out in that area, yes. not far from Howard University. But going to Hampton, being inspired by the history, the legacy of the university. But can I also say, if we can just keep it real for a second, Stephen, when I got to Hampton, I didn't realize how different Black people were. Mm. Because growing up, and I think this is true of anyone that grows up, I mean, you know, you kind of have your Black group of friends or family, but you have a lot in common. And going to a historically black college i'm like oh wow we are really different (laughs) it is almost like different worlds but it was beautiful to see that much diversity within you know within the race at the university and that made me really excited and also kind of like oh okay so when i get out of school it's definitely not going to be like this there's not going to be any thursday breaks in the student center (laughs) <laughs> hanging out on the quad, but man, Hampton, those are those are the good old days. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's awesome. 
I saw that you did finance in undergrad and then you went on to the digital broadcast journalism for your master's. And I was wondering in your headspace, what was your dream back then? Did you always have an idea for culture banks type of business in your mind growing up? Gosh, I wish I could tell you yes. I wish I was one of those people. I literally do. I wish I was one of those people that from the age of five, I was like, I know exactly what I'm going to do. And that's just not the case. Growing up, I actually wanted to be a cardiologist. Wow. Yeah, Dr. <laughs> Williams was like one of my favorite people to read about and study. And I was super into science and medicine. Still, even today, like Discovery Health and TLC are some of my favorite channels. <laughs> like, I really enjoyed that sort of stuff. And it wasn't until maybe like through high school, and I also wanted to be like a professional dancer in the Alvin Ailey Dance Company. That didn't work out either. <laughs> <laughs> but when I went away to Hampton, I was always pretty good at math. And so I knew I didn't want to do accounting. And I was like, well, I guess I should do finance because I'm pretty good at math, which is how I got into finance. And so then I was like, oh, wait, you could, this is a career field where you could make really good money. And so that's what I did. Then I went into investment banking, spent some time. That's when I was in London with the Swiss Bank UBS and came back and was at Goldman Sachs for several years. And it was actually Goldman Sachs that inspired me to think beyond being in investment banking because one of my desks at the time was under one of the TVs on the floor. And I just remember looking up one day and having really what I like to call an Oprah aha moment. Right. Uh, I just really had a light bulb and epiphany happen and said, you should be doing this. And I'm thinking, did I just hear something in my head? Like, what are they talking about? <laughs> I was like, I didn't have a rough night last night because I was still in my 20s. So you got to throw it in there. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm not supposed to be doing journalism or media. Why would I be doing that? First of all, I don't know anyone that works in media, not one soul. Wow. And I, from what I do know about the industry, people don't really make any money being in journalism. So why would I leave this good career field to go do that? But, you know, I really just stuck with it. And I was in the process of actually applying to different B schools because that's kind of the traditional sort of investment banking route. Like you work for a few years and you go, especially at Goldman, then you either go to Wharton or you go to Harvard Business School. Mm -hmm. So that was really the path that I was on. And I told myself, you know what, I'm going to apply to one communication school, whatever the best journalism school in the country is, which is the Newhouse School of Communications at Syracuse. And I said, if I get into this program, then I'm going to go and this will be a sign. And I got into the program, Stephen, this wow. is a true story. I got in and I deferred my acceptance for a year to stay. Really? Home. Yes. Why? Were you afraid? It was a joke. I'm sure they made a mistake. Wow. Why would wow. they accept me? I have nothing to offer this program. Clearly you did because, you know, and I want to talk about this because you go on to work with, you shared the investment banking giants that you worked with, yeah. but you go on to work with some amazing media giants, the street.com, <laughs> Bloomberg TV, CNBC, and Cheddar. And I'm curious to know what made you successful, right? Like what helped you to be able to deal with the hard times and the challenges of being young, being a woman, being black in this space and that media space? Man. That that is a good question. And I'll try to summarize the best way I can. I really think starting in investment banking, just going back to that for a second, really helped set me up for success because I came into the industry in 2007, which was actually at the height of all things great in finance. 
just to have the bottom fall out in 2008. And I was this young black woman living abroad. I mean, these are really, really tough times. And I thought there is no way there's another industry that could be more competitive, less diverse than being <laughs> finance, right? right. Can't exist. Oh, but then I went into media. <laughs> right. And I thought, oh, there is another industry that's even harder to make it in. And there's less diversity. And not just in terms of ethnic backgrounds, but in terms of educational backgrounds and also in terms of economic status. I think that was the biggest sort of disparity that I recognized when I came into media is that a lot of these people from privileged, super privileged backgrounds. Wow. And so perspective was completely skewed. Yes. And I'm thinking everything that's going out to the world. And as you mentioned, I was at some really big major networks in terms of business news. It's all very skewed. And even though journalists say, oh, you know, it's unbiased, it's hard to be unbiased when you haven't had any struggles in life. Mm-hmm. And not because you're trying to be, but because you don't know another way. And working like through that sort of stuff, I think that was just to me, one of the bigger challenges of being in the media industry and where I really found success in terms of what I was doing was that I was always able to adapt and able to sort of roll with the punches when I needed to, but also stand out and create and innovate. I mean, I think back to my quick sort of roundabout of how I got to these different positions. So I actually never blindly applied for a job in media since I got out of Wow. Grad school. This is very true. It's funny when I think back on this, because unless I actually tell it to people, (laughs) I'm like, huh. When people say, how did you get this job? I'm like, oh, you know, I talked to this person and then that person. But literally, it's the power of networking and something my mother always tells my brother and I, which is, hey, you know, your net worth is as big as your network and you can't ever stop networking. And so I met a guy at an alumni event, at a Syracuse alumni event. A random event. And I had coffee with him a couple weeks later. He said he knew a producer at the street. And I told him I wanted an on camera job. He's like, well, let me see what I can do. He didn't know me well at all. And that is how I got my first on camera job. And from there, an executive producer at CNBC saw some of my videos and reached out to me, asked me to, you know, asked to join my LinkedIn site group, whatever it's called on LinkedIn. (laughs) Instead of just, accepting because you can just, you know, say yes and move on about your day. I wrote back like two sentences and said, yes, I'd love for you to join my network. And I'm Corey Hale. I used to be an investment banker. This is what I do. I'd love to talk to you about CNBC. And he actually responded. And that's essentially what led to my job at CNBC. And from CNBC, I used to book this very quirky, at the time, president of BuzzFeed named John Steinberg. I used to be a guest on a show I produced on called Squawk Alley. And through that relationship, he eventually left, went on to be the CEO of Daily Mail. And through that relationship, he said, I started this new company. It's called Cheddar. You have the background. I know you want to be back on camera. Like, Come help me build this company. And I thought this is a perfect opportunity because there's only so many other networks I can go through right, that are doing news. And I'm still not getting the traction that I want. I mean, even at CNBC internally, there were only, I think, three black producers, only two black on-air talent. Even the inner workings of the organization within that particular business news network wasn't great 
for diversity because I actually put on the first Black History Month event ever at CNBC and it's 25 wow. year history. And they're wow. like, this is such a great event. Why haven't we done this? I'm thinking, because you got three Black people out of the couple hundred. <laughs> That's why. So moving back now to Cheddar and then being able to be down at the stock exchange was huge because I thought, Finally, like this is what I saw when I left Goldman. I saw myself reporting from the floor of the New York Stock Exchange and I'm here. Surely I've arrived, right? Mm. But no, I hadn't. Not for me. Because what I think my purpose is in life, the purpose that God has for my life is so much bigger than just being a news anchor down at the Stock Exchange, even though I was the first Black woman to be doing a daily news show down on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. And it's- You're the first, not the only. No, I'm the first to ever do a daily news show. There have been other women, Black women that have come and you know they've been reporters and done reporter heads, but none of them have ever anchored a daily news show. Wow, Corey. Congrats to you, girl. (laughs) Well, thank you. And it's also a bit disheartening, right? Because it took until 2016 for that to happen. Absolutely. There are so many other great black business news journalists that definitely should have. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, that's crazy. Yes. I mean, I think of great people like Sharon Epperson, who's still at CNBC doing personal finance. You know, one of the many great women in business news and been doing it at a high level for such a long time, you know, could have definitely had that sort of spot as well. But everything happens, you know, the way it's supposed to. And the reason that I was down there was, I think, to show myself, A, that I could do it, and B, that now that you've gotten to where you thought you wanted to be when you left Goldman at this point, how long ago? Seven years ago? Like, and you got here within this time frame, you know, what do you do now? Because this isn't forever. I'm immediately thinking of someone who says the sky's in the limit, it's just a view. Right. You definitely needed a, a broader goal. I did. And I didn't know that, right? Until you reach your goal. And then you think, well, there's got to be more to life than this. And I think the calling for what I really wanted to do when I left Goldman was to be this reflection for minorities in high level business news. I wasn't having the impact that I wanted to. And Mm -hmm. that's when I knew, you know what, I needed to step away from that day job. And I really needed to focus on building my own media company. So hold on, pause you right there. How long were you at Cheddar? I was at Cheddar a little over a year, which wow. for everyone working at startups, that's like dog years. They know right. <laughs> they know what that feels like. I mean, when I came to Cheddar, I was like employee number 20. By the time I left, they had just over 100 employees. Wow. Wow. I mean, the early days of Cheddar, I used to do everything from write, produce, book, like, I mean, the stuff that Cheddar does now, even when I look at it, I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Like when they take different guests, like traders or something from their trading floors within like UBS or JP Morgan, like I actually set that up for Cheddar. Wow. That must be a good feeling to still look back at and see kind of what your baby, right? What you've developed there. Yes. No, it definitely is. So you have this pretty cool thing happening at Cheddar before deciding to start Culture Banks. I guess let's first do this. Explain to everyone, because now you're CEO of your own company, Culture Banks. Tell us what Culture Banks is and why you're inspired to start this business now at that point in time. Yeah. So Culture Banks is an 
awesome media company where we are creating the best in business, finance, tech, innovation news, all geared towards Black professionals. So the same sort of articles that you're going to see on sites like MarketWatch or Bloomberg or CNBC, you're going to find those same market-driven stories on culture banks, but we're telling it through the perspective of Black professionals, right? We're giving it this very culturally attuned lens. I like to explain to people that it's essentially the perfect amalgamation between Bloomberg and Black Enterprise that's never existed, right? Where there's no media outlet broadcast or print or digital that has ever tried to take a cultural perspective when it comes to putting out their business news content. So many times, all they want to do is lump groups together and put you in a millennial basket, or they want to put you in the Gen Z or the retiree or the baby boomer group. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, I guess I fall in that age range, but none of this really speaks to my life and who I'm at. And Really, even more so for me, it was, hey, you know what? Most of my friends don't have millions upon millions of dollars to invest in the stock market and other things. But what can we do to show them how what's going on in the markets actually does impact their lives and perhaps in a different way that they can relate to the content? And so some mm -hmm. cool things, Steve, that we do on Culture Banks is that every article comes with a song. Very culturally relevant songs. There's a lot of rap music, <laughs> but it's just another way to help people connect with the content that says, hey, you know what? Okay, I can see why this song would make sense and how listening to this song and reading this article is really helping to connect the dots for me. Wow, that's pretty dope. Hey guys, hope you're enjoying today's episode so far. I wanted to take a short break right here and ask you if you're getting ready to crush it in 2019. If you're saying, Stephen, I'm ready, but your personal brand isn't, <laughs> I want to introduce you to my personal branding course. It's called Brand You Academy. Now, Brand You Academy is a six-week online training course I've designed for today's busy corporate and sales professionals, as well as entrepreneurs who are looking to build an amazing personal brand and an impressive digital footprint. At the end of the six-week program, you're going to come away crystal clear on your mission, your vision, the product that is you, as well as your audience who you're targeting. You're going to have all your brand elements defined, including your personal brand's color palette. We're going to define a font pairing for you help you to develop your personal logo as well as your website. You're also going to come away having clarity on how to brand and optimize your social channels and be ready to wow your future customers, your partners, as well as maybe potential employers. So listen up, someone's Googling you, right? And it's time that you took control of what they are going to find and be certain that your messaging, your visual appeal, it's going to leave them ready to connect with you, do business with you, or hire you. And so due to the level of personal support that I've been providing inside of this six-week program, I can only bring in a limited number of students for next launch. And so if you're interested in learning more or becoming part of this next class, this next cycle that goes live in January of 2019, I want you to hop on over right now to tbpod.com slash brand you. That's tbpod.com slash brand Y-O-U. I want you to put your name on our waiting list. 
And the first 50 names on our waiting list are going to receive a $100 discount off the cost of the program for being part of our Blazer Nation, as well as I will have a free gift for my Blazer Nation subscribers. So don't delay. Start 2019 off by getting the help you need to build your amazing personal brand. Sign up today over at tdpod.com slash brand you. So I'm sure being an entrepreneur, a business owner is no easy task. Is this your first time running a business? Oh my goodness. Yes, it is. First what? only. <laughs> well, congrats to you on taking this leap from investment banking to media and journalism to know this. What's been probably one of the biggest challenges or mistakes that you've had so far in getting things going and kind of what did you learn from that experience? Goodness. We only have 30 minutes, right? <laughs> we only have 30 minutes. Oh my goodness. Where to start with the mistakes? I mean, the mistakes have been both big and small. I mean, small mistakes from just trying to figure out. I consider myself a pretty smart person, but to your point, I never run a business. So there are a lot of different aspects of things I just wasn't aware of and didn't know how to do. From the simple things of setting up an EIN and getting the attorneys in place those sort of things, what it takes to actually be able to raise capital and get term sheets together. Those are parts of running a business that I've never been involved in, even though I've worked at all these great companies. And I think the biggest challenge I would say I face is when it comes to investors and raising money and getting people to take this young Black woman who might be pretty well credentialed, serious enough as the CEO of our own media company. And I say that because it's a very male dominated world in terms of venture capitalism and getting people to really understand your vision and what you want for your company. That to me is an ongoing challenge. How do you get around the challenge we're all aware of with black women getting their just due in terms of raising that VC money? How do you get around it? Well, you talk to 10 million people. Has your networking skills work for you in that light? Yes. Yes, they definitely do. And also tapping into old friends and friends that I didn't even really know I had from my previous companies. A lot of people have been super helpful. Primarily, though, the best way to, and it's not even really working around it. I think of it more so as working through it. Because every day, you know, I get up and I'm reviewing my calendar for the day. And then I'm always thinking about who is the next person that I would never think about contacting that I'm still going to put myself out there, put the company out there and just reach out to them and see if they want to help, see how interested they are. And I mean, I've been able to pull in some pretty big investor meetings, people that I used to cover at CNBC when an article came out about them, and now I'm talking to them on the phone. Wow. As a business owner that you are today, which is awesome. (laughs) About my own company. That that to me is mind-boggling sometimes. Corey, what's been working for you in terms of helping you find the right kind of people to bring on onto your team? What's been working? LinkedIn's been a huge help. Yeah. (laughs) LinkedIn's been a huge help. And also figuring out exactly what the business needs. 
I think so many times, and I know I used to do this, especially at the beginning of the year when we were just getting off the ground, just verbalizing what it is I thought the business needed, as opposed to literally writing it out in 30, 60, 90 day, 18 month increments and like where it is the business needs to be. And instead of always taking this big bird's eye view, then dialing it back, right? And saying, okay, this is where you want to be in 18 months, but hold on, where do we need to be in two weeks? Right, right. How many podcasts do I need to try to get on in two weeks? Who can help me with that? Right. So it's a, a, a bit of short-term and long-term view working at the same time. Yeah, yeah. It's, always, it's always a constant tug of war though, right? Because you always want to keep the big picture view in mind, but then you got to make it work right now, right? To the next day. Absolutely. So talking about coming back to culture banks here, what kind of trends do you see emerging in your news coverage? Oh, let's see. What is the most interesting thing? The biggest thing that we get asked about at culture banks is that people want to know more about cryptocurrencies. Really? They always want to know what's going on. I think it's one of these buzz things right now. Cryptocurrencies will probably be around for quite some time, but it's something that people want to know more about. They want to get more education about what's going on in the space. So we do some stories around cryptocurrencies, around blockchain technology. So people always want to know about what's going on with that. And other major trends are that you're starting to really see a shift when it comes to businesses actually highlighting what's going on in terms of their diversity efforts within their organizations. Mm. And instead of it just being, you know, we're trying to reach getting 10% of our workforce to be black or 10% of our leaders to be black, you start to see black people in terms of what role their leadership and how that's impacting the company. And I think of Kay Madati at Twitter, who's the head of video content, and how he's been able to help this company really reshape its landscape by putting together some pretty massive deals. And instead of it, you know, being something that may have been under the radar, maybe a black man not being in that position, but media outlets also picking that up. Right. That's awesome. That's great. So how can or blaze a nation, how can our community best leverage, you know, your coverage in the workplace? Well, they should definitely read it at culturebank.com. <laughs> we can start there. Yes. But they should also, when they read the articles, think to themselves if they saw this story somewhere else, right? And you notice the difference and the approach to the story, the difference in how we're making the story relevant. And then with that information, just think to themselves, how can I use this different nugget of information that no one else was covering and right. incorporate this into my life, into my community? Corey, I love all that you're sharing. I'm curious to know, like, so is it just print? Or do you guys do any other form of distribution, be it video or podcast or... Are you putting out content in any other form yet? Yeah, so I'm glad you asked. So the content is primarily digital. We do have the website. There's also the bi-weekly newsletter. And we do have a daily news brief, which I like to call a short cast. So it's not a full-length, lovely podcast like Trailblazers. (laughs) Every day, we're putting up a quick two-minute news story so that you can definitely listen while you're on the go and just get a quick 
tidbit of news, as I like to say, digestible market size news. Gotcha. Love it. Love it. Listen, we're about to wrap up here. I should have prepared like another 30 questions for you because <laughs> I'm loving this conversation. I'm loving all that you're sharing here. Two last questions for you before we let you go. We ask all our featured guests these two questions, but Blazer Nation loves our tools and resources. So I'd love to ask you, are there any books that you've read or reading right now that probably would recommend that we add to our reading list? Yes. So I'm actually in the process of rereading The Alchemist. Yes. Have you read The Alchemist? I have not. And yeah. uh, But it's, you know what? I've struggled starting it oh, a couple of times. I actually need to honestly get through it. But it's a highly recommended book on a podcast. Like you're probably the seventh or eighth person that's recommended it. So I do need to <laughs> push through it. <laughs> yes, please push through. The Alchemist is an excellent book. Other books that I think I've just read throughout my life that have been super impactful. The Purpose Driven Life is one of my favorite books, as well as Think and Grow Rich, A Black Choice. Another really great book. I think of other books too, like- Trying to get Dr. Kimbrough on, (laughs) he's listening. (laughs) We'll get him on. Yes. Have him talk about it. I think of other books like Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People as another interesting sort of read. Those are all great books. Yeah, I'm sorry. The list goes on and on. I have a yeah, ton of books no. in my mind. Yeah, no, these are great. These are great. So one last question for you. What's one action that our Blazing Nation should take this week that's going to help them to blaze their trail? One action. If there's one small thing that you can do every single day to invest in yourself, be that as simple as, you know what, today I'm going to look into what it takes to start an LLC. What is it going to take for me to move my idea out of my head to a piece of paper? And I'm not saying go full throttle and get everything done in one day for your business. But if you just every day commit to taking one step, mm-hmm. one step closer to you living out your purpose you will be surprised at how far you can come in a month, in a year. Yes, so true. Take action, people. Yes, lots of action. Corey Hale, tell us how we can stay connected to you and we can wrap up for today. Well, please follow me at Corey Hale, super creative Twitter name. (laughs) (laughs) You can also follow Culture Bank so you can see all the great content we're putting out. That's culture, B-A-N-X, all one word. And those are really the best ways to sort of stay on top of what we have going on. And just remember that Culture Banks is about really helping people see what no other business news outlet is putting out and making it very fun and interesting. I love it. Thank you so very much for being our guest. Yeah. I appreciate you. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Trailblazers podcast. I'll be posting links to all of today's book recommendations and links mentioned on our show notes page at tbpod.com. If today was your first time listening to the Trailblazers podcast, I just want to extend a warm Trailblazers welcome to you. We're so happy to have you here and we encourage you to go ahead and hit that subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. 
go ahead and browse through some of our past episodes to keep the knowledge flowing. If you're a fan of the podcast and today's content, and you're maybe already subscribed to the podcast, please continue to share and invite your friends, your family, or colleagues to listen to an episode that you think might impact them most. We believe that someone listening to these inspiring stories will be moved to make significant changes that will have generational impact for many others, both now and well into the future. Don't miss next week's episode. New episodes are released each and every Monday by about 5 a.m. Eastern. Trailblazers, jump off this podcast today. Go find a way to rise above, go way beyond, and keep blazing your trail. Cheers. Cheers.